Welcome to Your Brand Amplified, the podcast where we interview marketers, publicists, and brands to learn their stories, what makes them tick, and tips and tricks that make a difference. Welcome to another episode of Your Brand Amplified, and I have Peter Wathmer from the other coast here with me today. Peter, I'm so excited to have this conversation. Thanks, Annika. It's like, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, and you have had many stops and starts. You've been a multiple-time entrepreneur, very successful, built a lot of companies up. One thing we were talking about before we got on is that one thing that people don't understand about entrepreneurship is that it is up and down. It's not usually a trajectory straight to the top. So I'd love for you to talk about, because you didn't start as an entrepreneur, right? You worked in a couple other companies first. So what got you into entrepreneurship and what has your journey been like? Well, I did have jobs with other larger companies, but I grew up in a house where my dad is an immigrant and one of these, you know, famous mid-century transitions where coming from another country and seeing what could happen in America became the ultimate in goals for him. And so he took full advantage of the American dream and he worked for several companies. He had his own ideas about how things ought to work. And so he started his own businesses. So I grew up in an entrepreneurial home. Where, quite candidly, not many people talked about the failures in a way that was instructive. It was always very emotional and it was painful. And failures typically are. (laughs) But they're also instructive on how to maybe do things a little bit differently in the future. Yeah, I followed similar footsteps in terms of actually working for several companies. In fact, I did end up working for and then with my father in, in his business in equipment leasing. And you know, the insights of being able to be a part of the executive team and seeing how things operate, how decisions were made was very instructive for one of the first, wasn't the first venture. The first venture was just a horrible misstep on my part, having created a, you know, a clothing brand and thinking, oh, it's just, this is easy. I just have to do is come up with a label and go to a couple of trade shows and people will buy it. And next thing you know, I'll be uh, Ralph Lauren. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't didn't quite work out that way, which happily it didn't, but it was a great founding place to, I always tell people that that was a little bit like getting my MBA because I didn't know anything when I went into it. When I came out of it, I knew a lot more. And just like getting an MBA, typically your pocketbook is a little bit lighter too. So, and that was the case <laughs> there as well. So, but I did, I went to work for my dad and I learned all about equipment leasing and I put my sales and marketing and finance toolkit to work. And we had a terrific time building the business. And then I had a front seat in the sale of a business and okay. watched how that was able to come to fruition. A very successful exit for my dad, which was the objective. So very happy about that. Soon after that, I was approached by some investment bankers to launch a product for a leasing product for Harley Davidson motorcycles. And you would think that I knew a lot about Harley Davidson motorcycles, and in fact, I didn't. (laughs) So entrepreneurship is often about exploration and not being afraid to poke your head into a great big cave and see what kind of bear is in there. And that was about the experience we had with building up Chrome Capital. That was a lot of fun. And we had a great experience putting a national platform for authentic vehicle leases for Harley Davidson's all across the country. So I got to meet some fabulous people 
and learned an awful lot about that product line and about the brand and about the people. And it was a very rich experience from end to end. And in that case, that business, we grew it from ground zero up to over a six-year period of time. We were on target for hitting $90 million a year in originations, which was really unheard of. But I also had a brutal lesson in how very large equity companies operate. And when they have a target objective and it isn't achieved, they simply shut the switch off and move on to the next thing. So it was unfortunate that it happened because it was a great product and a lot of fun, but a very capital intensive business. And anybody who's in your audience knows that capital is going to rule the day. So they make the rules. It's the golden rule, which (laughs) is they have the gold, they make the rules. So it was a terrific experience. The product was actually quite good and we were able to go out and resurrect it with another group and they have continued with that platform and in fact merged it with an auto finance platform. So the philosophy and the theme of that business continues on to this day in another format, but I was really happy to be a part of all of that. Fantastic. Well, my mom was also an immigrant to the country. She came here for school. So I love that story and seen a lot of family members come over from Thailand and Laos and have to restart. Yep. It almost didn't matter how professional or how high they were in their positions in another country, right? You really do have to bootstrap and start all over and, yeah. and pick your way out when you come to the United States. But this is the thing, right? Like, you know, you see what I see and living in Florida, I see it uh, regularly. I see people who show up and, you know, maybe they were doctors in Cuba. Yeah. I mean, maybe they were full professionals from wherever they came from and they're here now. They could not be happier. Yeah. <laughs> could not could not be happier to be in the land of the free, home of the Braves, and Unity. where really at the end of the day, I don't care what happens politically speaking, you still have the opportunity to create your dreams and make them happen. And so it just I love that as part of my history and I'm a big advocate for supporting people who are trying at all levels, whether you're an immigrant or you know, son or daughter of an immigrant, or you're just getting started because you have a cool idea. I'm like, I'm all for it. I love that. And my father was a philosophy professor and also a Harley rider. So when you said right. that, that was very intriguing to me. But the entrepreneurs in my family were two of my uncles. And I saw them, I saw one be very successful and one go through a lot of ventures. And at that time, when I was younger, I didn't realize how much of entrepreneurship really is testing and trying different things. And they're not necessarily failures because like you said, that clothing company was your MBA. It was a great experience. So you could see what to do or what not to do next time. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, and even when I worked with my dad in our leasing company, you know, it was a company that was started back in the nineties and they just didn't have systems in place. That were all tied together. And so one of the single most important instructive components of building out the Harley-Davidson leasing company was the resources that we had at the equipment leasing company. When I looked at starting a new one, I said, well, look, if we're going to do it, these are the things that I have to have. I can't take this old model and apply it to this. I need things to be moderate. And so from basically the back of a napkin, I said, not knowing something about the business was a really interesting way to approach it because I wasn't burdened with preconceived ideas about how things needed to happen, right? This was just simply like, if I could get really creative and if I could just do this, this is what I would do. And so that's what we built. And I saw we had one system that all of the information dropped in and that fed all of the other systems versus what my history was, which is 
you'd have one transaction that would have to get entered into okay. five different systems. I said, well, we need to reverse that. We need it all to go into one funnel. And that was cool. And then we had to look at, well, how does this going to operate at the customer level? How's a dealer going to actually know and understand what's happening? And what we found out very quickly was motorcycle dealers know an awful lot about the riders and they know an awful lot about the motorcycles. Their job in the sales seat is to get the guy on top of the bike or the gal on the bike <laughs> and get them out the door. And that's where we came into play. Like we need to make this as super simple and easy of a process as possible for people. So we automated everything. When we look at the platform that we developed, there isn't another auto finance or uh, leasing company out there that automated things to the degree that we did. It was a miracle that, I mean, very, very happily, we facilitated Harley riders achieving their dreams within minutes. So the information could get put in, the dealer could push a button, and when he pushed another button on the phone of the rider would pop up a DocuSign document, fully compliant, federal and state compliant lease. He could sign it with his thumb and he'd be done and riding, literally within minutes. So it was a lot of fun to put all that good stuff together. That sounds like it could have implications for a lot of other industries. And I feel like that is part of what you did in your next phase that you're currently in, correct? Is you figured yeah. out how to automate for a lot of other kinds of industries and create positive disruption. Correct. Yeah. I love that phrase, positive disruption. You know, what we're disrupting is this paper. <laughs> it's, not, it's funny. I was walking around my pool and I'm fortunate. I live in Florida. We have a pool. And so walking around it one night and we had just put in a new light and I bought one of these really fancy lights that changes colors and stuff. And <laughs> And it wasn't on. And I thought, well, maybe it's turned off. And I went in and I said, no, it's actually turned on. And I'm like, okay, it's out. So I'll have to call the guy and have him come repair it. And so <laughs> anyways, long story short, I never heard back from anybody. But 30 days later, I went back out and the light was on. I thought, oh, great. Maybe it was just a short or something. And no, it, actually, somebody did come and took care oh. of it. And then because I, I found out because there was a bill in my, in my oh. mailbox <laughs> the next day. I, I was like, well, this, huh. this has to there has to be a better way. Mm. And by the way, I would like to know when they come. And when they come, I'd like to know, like, is it okay for my nieces and nephews when they come over? Is it okay for them to jump in the pool, right? So right. just give me some basic notification about this stuff. So I started putting two and two and three together. And we started coming up with this triangulated relationship where, you know, as a consumer, I'd like to know about my services that happen. And then we looked into the businesses, into the initially into the pool service business, and I actually talked to the company. I talked to the founder and his son, and they said, no, this is something that we really need to have. So wow. I put together a platform that automates scheduling and dispatching. It automates customer invoicing. It automatically is able to pull money in for the company, deposit it directly into their account. And it automates customer communications in the same way that Uber does. So what yeah. I tell people is we're really democratizing business process automation for the small and medium-sized service business. Mm -hmm. So we built it agnostically. We have pool service businesses that are on it, lawn care companies, pest control companies, home cleaning. So there's a series of these regular, I call them regular interval service companies. And yeah. because they deliver a traditional service company is an appointment-driven business, they address an acute problem. You know, if your water heater blows up, you call the plumber, he comes and fixes it, gives you an invoice, you pay him, you're done. 
These businesses are regular and ongoing services that are provided. You simply pay them what's really like a subscription, right? Yeah. You really just pay monthly subscription. And so they come and show up and they just need a different set of tools in order to help manage the business well. Interesting. And I love that because service-based businesses, people forget about them, but they really are so important. And those are jobs. Those are people we always need to have that kind of skilled labor, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I think, so one of the things that we run into with a lot of the companies is they have a hard time with you know, recruiting, attracting, and retaining really good employees. And in my business, I have found that if you give an employee the tools that they need so that they can do their job better, they'll keep coming back and doing their job because there's a reward attached to, it's not just a financial reward, but it's actually an acknowledgement that you're doing a good job. As an example, in the tech, so there's three parts of our platform one of them is the traditional admin panel. The other one is a technician app where he gets his dispatch delivered to him every morning when he opens it up. And then there's the customer app, which is where you get the push notifications and you can pay for your service on there with your thumb. But the thing that is important related to what you just said was that we can actually provide a rating for the service. Yeah. And by the way, it's a rating that doesn't go to Google and Yelp. It stays internal with the company. So it's a management tool. You know, how great would that be to sit down and talk to your employee and go, look, you know, I'm just really impressed. You've got five stars all week long. Yeah. You know, nobody has that. Nobody has the ability to tell a guy or a gal who's working for them how well they're doing based upon the feedback from the actual customers. Well, so we have a pool company and, and he just thinks that, you know, this pro valet platform is the greatest management tool he's ever seen before. So I love that. <laughs> it validates everything that we thought about. So definitely. Well, when you're thinking of this concept, because I know that there are technical and non-technical founders right? So people who have the idea of they know what the technology they want it to look like and do, but they might not have the engineering background, the computer science background. So did you have a computer science or engineering background? How did you figure out how to put all this stuff together? So and to answer the question, I am about as far away from a technical engineer as you could imagine. I'm really just, I really am an idea person. Well, but I have become involved with building different systems intimately by understanding the target objective for performance of what we want. What's my end mm -hmm. deliverable need to look like and what does it need to do? And then working with engineers to get to that point. So I've been involved in the discussions. I wouldn't know how to code anything. I couldn't code the Pong game. Never remember that. Yes. <laughs> but I do know that one of my current passions is building homes or re-engineering homes. And so you can't really start the project until you have a very clear idea about what it needs to look like. And the same philosophy applies for technology and putting these different tools together. I know what it needs to look like. I get market feedback telling me more and feeding into what are the you know absolutes that people have to have and then we just simply build to that. And it's just, it's very similar to building a home. I don't really see it any differently. Visually in my head, it's the exact same process. So I couldn't actually code it, but we know what needs to happen. Oh, and by the way, if you tell an engineer that can't happen, fire the guy right away because yeah. you can do anything <laughs> that you can dream of. It can actually happen. Amazing. Yeah. Are you ready to take your brand to new heights? Join the Brand Amplifier for Entrepreneurs program. Learn how to build, elevate, and amplify your brand 
with a comprehensive 10-module course. Learn more about it and other ways to implement our strategies at fullcapacitymarketing.com. Click on eFCM Learning Hub for more information. Can't wait to help you amplify your brand. Now, a lot of the service-based industry also is old school, as you said, paper, pen, yeah. antiquated systems. You think, you think of like the yellow pages. Yeah, they might have a website, but maybe it's not that much better than what you would have seen in an ad, right? In the yellow, back in the old days, the yellow pages. <laughs> yeah. So how hard was it, if it was, to get people to transition? Like, what was your process for sales and marketing and to get them to market test mm-hmm. and to realize this would be a value add? It would save them time, that it wouldn't be too onerous for them to learn the systems. Yeah, it's a great question. And we're still going through discovery on that, you know, trying to identify your ICP, which is your ideal client profile. It starts with maybe the silo of business. Let's say, let's use pool service as an example. It starts with that. But then inside of that, there will be variables. How large is the company? How many employees do they have? One of the metrics that we found that seems to be, we're still experimenting with this, it's the age of the company. Oh, interesting. We have multi-generational businesses right here in our town, and they love what we're doing, but they're never going to change. They're always going to use pencil and paper. They have a system that works. They have a team that works. They're not going to disrupt that for anything. Yeah. But- Conversely, where we find a company who has started the business in the last up to five years, they're much more likely to be a customer of ours because we'll go through the traditional metrics of writing things down on a piece of paper, they'll graduate to an Excel file, then they're at the edge. They have to do something different because they can't keep up with it. So that's where we step in and we're able to help people capitalize on you know, the data that they've had, we transitioned to our platform and then show them how life gets automated. And it's been a very successful in that regard. Typically, the size of the companies are, they probably have anywhere from a million to $5 million in annual revenue. Anything less than that, we have people that are less than that. And they use the product quite well. And they're growing into that that, yeah. that bucket that we serve best. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's helping them grow into that bucket because you're saving them time by creating automations and creating better systems and protocols. That's our mission every day when we get up is how do we put more time and money back into people's lives? Yeah. Something we all want, right? (laughs) Yes, definitely. Absolutely. And are there products in your line that also would work for businesses that are maybe not service-based, scheduled, thinking even for marketing companies who, you know, who have retainer clients and just need to be able to schedule certain things like and want to have an automated process. I haven't thought about that. That's an interesting concept where if you have a relationship, a a dialogue, uh, a regular interaction with somebody, you could use the platform to help with the scheduling and to transmit information that, by the way, the way we have it built, if you transmit information, it's not scattered between email and some notes on a piece of paper, anything that happens with that client, including invoices, payments, customer requests. This this is one of the cool things that we came up with on the uh, homeowner app was you could push a button to request service and add a video or photo. You could probably also add an audio file to it. Mm -hmm. So in the case where if you had a marketing company and you had a customer who had a request, 
they could actually use the app to go and execute that. And then and that would be a part of their record inside of Pro Valet for your managing of their request. Now, once that request comes in, it's kind of cool. We set it up so it's got a little bit of a, an alert. So you get an alert that says, hey, you have a service request. You can click on that. Once you click on it, you start managing it. The person who sent it is gets some communicated says, it's like getting, if you send a text message that says read at such and such a date and time. Well, similar to that, it's just a push notification that comes over and says, hey, your service request is being reviewed. And then when you schedule it for you know something down the road, you'll get another notification that says, yeah, your service request is, has been scheduled for X date. So it gets attended to. Yeah. I, I imagine there's something there. I haven't explored that very deeply with anybody, but yeah, I, I just I'm think wide about, open to it. <laughs> I, I think about the process of we might have different tools, right? Maybe you use Asana or Monday or you use some kind of tool like that. And then you have a CRM separate from that. And then maybe you have a Google Drive where you're inputting things and then you use another system to create output reports and do invoicing. But that's a lot of different systems. So how much nicer would it be if you had one system that popped up and said, oh, your report for this client is due in 10 days. And then it sends them a request for a meeting. They can schedule a meeting and it's all a little more automated. So Anyway, and I well, think about. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I think, you know, I think that's one of the benefits that we're delivering right now to people is when we talk about this, you know, Pro Valet is the single lens through which a company can manage their entire service business. Yeah. And so you just hit the nail on the head very elegantly talking about the various systems we all have for our businesses. If I can put them all into one lens, there's a much more efficient way to run and have business knowledge. There's business data in there that we make available to people. So yeah, it's a very cool thing that you just said. I like that. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll have to continue this conversation. Okay. Yeah. Are your clients primarily regionalized right now, or do you work with these kind of service-based businesses all over the United States? All over the United States, you know, because we built the program really agnostically, I mean, it has pool service DNA in it. Uh, mm-hmm. There are certain attributes that are part of the pool service business, which are unique and special to those guys and gals, how they run those businesses. The attributes of that part of the system are optional. And so that's why lawn care companies, cleaning companies, pest control companies, that's why they use us because they can actually build out their service orders. Everything's customizable. And this is the other thing, interestingly enough, when you asked about you know the ideal client, they all run their businesses differently. Mm-hmm. It all starts with the founder. What's important to the founder of that business? And we adopted the philosophy early on that said, we're not going to tell anybody how to run their business. They need to be able to tell the software how they want their business run mm-hmm. and then set it and forget it. And that's exactly what we brought to market. So nice. Yeah. When I was doing some research, I saw that one of the things that you talk about sometimes is spirituality and fishing and how that is essential building blocks for successful business, that combination. Right and on. I was really intrigued by that. So I'd love for you to talk through that a little bit with us. I grew up in Connecticut. My mom was really active in Audubon, and she imbued a great deal of respect for nature and how things operate as systems. And I found that as I grew older, I I found a great deal of comfort spending time in nature. And that was a very grounding experience. I actually moved to Naples because I figured out I could be on the water fishing 
365 days a year <laughs> instead of 90 days in New England. And I thought, well, that's the solution for me. And so very fortunate where we live, we have abundant, you know, backcountry and wild areas that we can just, they're accessible. If you're willing to poke your nose into a couple different places, you find some very Jurassic experiences right around every bend. Very, very cool between the bird life, the reptilian life, all of the different fishes that are in our areas. You just have to be willing to go out and find them. And so there's akin to how I like to approach business. I'm not afraid to explore and I'm not afraid to go ahead and stick my nose into different places. I haven't yet had my hand or my head ripped off by something in nature. So, so far, so good. But but yeah, I really appreciate uh, being in nature. And um, here, fishing seems to be the easiest, most accessible way to do that. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And so is it being in nature that rejuvenates you and has you come up with the creative ideas and concepts to pour back into your business? I think one of the things that happens in nature is I see how things work together. And if we're inclined to not get too involved, it's really a miracle how things operate quite well without our (laughs) interference. Yeah. (laughs) And so that same philosophy comes to bear it actually in the software that we've developed. It's, I'm not interested in telling somebody how to run their business. You know how to run your business, but here's a tool that you can tell how you want your business to run. Let it naturally run the way it's supposed to run without a lot of artificial interference including losing things on a piece of paper or, you know, it drives me crazy that people want to try to operate their business using texting as their tool to communicate with people. Because although it can have some effect, it's lost, right? right? We don't have a history of the services that we provide to people that we care about. And I think that's important. If somebody has a question about what happened two months ago, I should be able to just look at them and know what's happening. Although that doesn't correlate with nature necessarily, there's a seasonality to nature that wants to know, you know, how did things happen last season at this time? You know, are the tides higher or lower? The oysters depend on that and the oysters depend on that. And therefore the fishes that grow up in the oysters depend on. So there's some cyclicality to it. I suppose we want to make sure it's part of what we are involved with. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a great word and it's a great point because you're talking about this symbiosis between the ecosystem and everything in nature, but then also seasonality, right? Yes. And cyclical nature. I read some books on that as well and how we need to remember that we also are animals. Is and it? it's for us to think about that. So maybe in the winter, even though we both live in beach communities, it does get darker earlier. And so we have to think about, yeah. well, what does that mean? Do we need it? Does that mean it's time for us to do a little reset, to be a little more intentional, to think about how we want to move forward, right? And then the next season, spring, everything's growing. And so then that's a great time for us to get those creative ideas that we've been incubating out. Yeah. I had a, I went to a conference, this was a long time ago, but this is CEO gave a great presentation. It was her observation about how Americans in business, how they operate. It was an observation about how, you know, as a woman in business, there was an expectation that she was to keep up with all the men. And and there was an expectation that, by the way, both men and women had to just continue to go, 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 go. Yeah. And I think she was Japanese. And she said, you know, I have a lot of history in understanding how nature works. And she said, it's impossible, it is absolutely impossible to jump up and leap forward if you're in a constant state of trying to leap. You have to crouch down. 
Yeah, so it was this very yin and yang conversation about, you know, we have to have those seasonality. Seasonality is really important in yeah. order to be successful. Interestingly enough, one of the things we talked about before we came on was, you know, this perception about success and how it's just this, things just shoot straight up, right? And it doesn't happen that way. There's a lot of cyclicality to it. Yeah. I love uh, Ray Dalio is a guy that I've listened to a lot. He talks about how, you know, there are a lot of curly cues on the way up that, you know, up that ladder. The only way you keep going up is that you actually reflect on what's working, what's not working. And then you make the changes, then you get to the next level and you continue to do that. So I think nature's a good model for that. Yeah. So what's next for you and for Pro Valet? We're in this really uncomfortable place where we're growing a business. If we wanted to grow it quickly and add a lot more companies to the platform, we need marketing money. And so cyclicality. We're in the lowest, well, it's always terrible after thing, after the party's over, but we're at a very low point right now from an interest perspective from the VC and private equity world. Everybody's really tightened things up. They're not really sure what's going to happen with the economy. And, and I get that, but I also find it to be really interesting that I continue to get solicitations from them looking to see if there's, you know, maybe we should talk about, you know, your business and what kind of investment you'd like to have. So there's a ton of resources sitting there that have been raised since 2021 when things were really rocking and rolling. They raised a lot of money. A lot of general partners are in these funds and their expectations, you're going to do something with the money, you're going to have to invest it. And so despite the fact that it's very dark and bleak and everybody thinks that the, you know, henny penny, the sky is falling, there's still a lot of people out there looking to invest. So we're optimistic and continue to plow forward on adding new companies and continuing to build traction and continuing to learn and refine and we'll keep going. Fantastic. All right. Well, to be continued, we'll have to hear back from you and see where you are in a year. That'd be great. I'd really appreciate coming back and talking to you then. Yeah, I'd love that. But I always ask this question and I think you probably have something teed up, but I'd love to find out if you have a favorite quote or mantra verse words that you live by that help you keep going every day? So my dad, he went through a terrible time in his business and his job was to restart it, basically. And it's a quote by Goethe. And it says, if you can think it, begin it. Because it has boldness and genius in it. And so if you think about something that you think it's a cool idea, you should chase it and see if it's something that works. And and by the way, I don't advocate that somebody go in without doing some planning and some product research. But if you think about something, you should begin it because it does. It has boldness and genius in it. I'm a big advocate, like, you know, even with my employees in particular, I'm less apt to give somebody a lot of, you know, overt direction. I'm more inclined to work with them on the target objective Uh and let their God-given talents take them there. And it's remarkable remarkable how people respond when you tell them that. You go, look, you have God-given talent. You were hired for a reason because we saw something in you. Use them. How do you want to get to there? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I look at, you know, starting businesses the same way. You have a God-given idea, a kernel of an idea, and go for it. Do it. Fantastic. That is some great wisdom for anybody who is trying to figure out how to fit people into a mold, right? Instead of putting them into a mold, hire them for their talent and let them do what they do best. Hire them for their attitude. Mm. 
Honestly, yeah. like you can have the best looking resume in the world and their attitude is horrible. Yeah. If, they have it, if they're open and willing, man, that person's going to be dynamite. So definitely. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, what is the easiest way for people to reach you? And I'll put this in the show notes as well. Okay. You can send me a traditional email, peter at provalet.io. You can also look me up on LinkedIn. You can use Pete Wasmer as the tag in after LinkedIn. I'll be right there. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Peter. This has been a really fun conversation. I've loved learning about you and your various business ventures. And really, that quote just really resonated with me at the end. So I'm like, okay, that's going to have to be one of the snippets we use to promote this episode. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I love that. Thank you, Annika. Really appreciate being with you. Yeah. And thank you to our audience for coming back and watching or listening to this episode. I'll be back again in a few days with another amazing expert to share their wisdom to help you live life and work in your business better. Want more? Check out AmplifyWithAnnika.com or follow me on socials at AmplifyWithAnnika.com.